people. My friends, and welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning. And I'm Madam Host President Dixie Lee Henning. Mm, Madam Host Vice President, you mean? Mm-mm, president. Oh. Yeah. You're just going for it. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Yep. I mean. Madame. I go by Madame. We are recording this the afternoon of Saturday, November 7th. Yeah. And ostensibly, the AP has called the race for Biden in Harris. <laughs> Mamala Harris. And this is as political as we'll get. Yeah, that's it. Ends that's all you get. Right there. right there. This is a show where you get to know that the only normal people in your life. Wait, how do you say it? The only normal people in your life. <sighs> this is a show where we prove that the only normal. <laughs> Wait, how do I do it? This is the show where we prove that the only normal people in your life. No. That's the, and this is a show where we prove that the more you get to know, know the, the normal, normal people, people in your life, life, you discover that there really are no normal people in We've your life. We've only done this like hey, 70 times. Almost a year now. <laughs> almost a, we're coming up on a year of podcasting. I blacked out for a second. I don't, what are we here for? It's been such a buck wild day, huh? Yep. What's up? What's up? So that's what this podcast is about. It's about What's up? normal people. Oh, yeah. And it's been a blast. Dixie, this is going to be episode 39, coming of up on 40, 40 interviews. Yeah. We did have a, a handful of bonus episodes. True story. Especially over quarantine. We did eight what we called quarantine questions. Yeah, but now if you're not a Patreon or a patron, you don't get to listen to them. Yep. They're off the feed now. They have disappeared. And if you would like those bonus episodes... You can head to patreon.com slash knowpeoplepod and join the action. You can mm-hmm. get a whole bonus feed. Dixie and I just recorded our very first fresh bonus episode for November 2020. Fresh and spicy. That was very fun. Mm-hmm. It was a very good one. I liked just kind of this free form conversation with you. Can yeah. I tell you something? I like you. Oh, thank God. I'm, and you're like oh, my best so friend. I'm so nervous. And having a conversation with you is really life-giving. <laughs> oh, that's cute. I want to move away from the emotional stuff. Thanks, though. So if you want some of that, <laughs> check out patreon.com slash knowpeoplepod. As low as $3 a month will get you in with some bonus episodes. At $5, yeah. you join the Discord, and that's where the stuff, that's where the juice happens. I hate juice. I would like to clarify that I said juice. Just then, juice like apple. This is good. This Orange. Is, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this. Yep. Anyway, there it is. There's the pitch. We are on patreon.com slash no people pod. I'm going to say it for the third time. This is the rule of threes in marketing, my dear. And there it is. Why are you telling me? Tell them. Come join the party, please. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have fun over there, I promise. And Discord's way better than Facebook. We know but this. But it's a secret, so you don't know about it until you get there. It's a secret. Shh, quiet. It's a secret. We have juice. We have the juice. <laughs> it's apple juice. Apple. Oh. No orange. 
orange what? juice. No, I like orange tomato tomato juice. Ew. No strawberry. I love tomato juice though. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the best, especially on an airplane. Orange juice is literally the devil's urine. Um nope. I hate it. Nope. So much. Is it the pulp? No, it's the flavor in general. <laughs> Just the the flavor of orange juice. You don't like citrus. No, I like lemonade. And I like grapefruit. Okay. And I actually like oranges. You know. So the, it's not the flavor. No. Orange. You don't like the okay. juice. Oranges do not taste how orange juice tastes. Okay? It's like the difference between ketchup and tomatoes. Oranges taste completely really different comparison. than they Thank do you. in their their God-made way. Mm. Speaking of God-made way, citrus fruits are pre-sliced, and it's amazing. Yeah. Because of nature. They're excellent, Hello. except when they're juiced. Specifically yeah. just oranges. Only oranges, really. Okay. I hate them. Okay. I hate There's the rant. Them. You bring a lot of this energy to our bonus episodes. Yes, so if people I do. Are into this, do you think that's a positive or a negative aspect to the sales pitch for the Patreon there? Do you think that is my about you? general characteristics as a person is a negative? I don't. I yeah. married you. Yeah, I know. And I'm I choose to do that this I'm, kind of stuff with you. I'm an aggressive person just Enneagram all the time. There it is. And I own it. <laughs> you definitely um, do. And also, I don't care what anybody thinks about it. You give zero. Zero of those things. Of them. Yep. There it is. I give zero of them. Okay. What else do you want to talk about? We're coming up on the holiday season, and we have decided to take a little bit of a break, maybe like a month. The month of December, essentially. We have something fun in store, so we're still going to have episodes come out on Tuesday, but what they're going to be are recap episodes. Recap. We've been asking all of our previous guests. Guests. To send in short voice memos that we're going to compile into the podcast episode. So, if you don't follow us on Instagram, you need to do it like immediately because we have a super, super adorable, cute thing that's going to happen on Instagram. And you have to be on Instagram to see it because we're not putting it anywhere else. Do it. Do it. Tell us what it is. No. It's a secret. They have to go to Instagram to find out. Okay. I said so. <laughs> Fair enough. Recap episodes. Super top secret thing coming to Instagram. Super furry. Super cuddly. Super adorable. Yep. Coming to Instagram. Dropping it. Coming to the podcast feed this week <laughs> is my coworker and a very good friend of mine Yep. named Kyle Porritt. Mountain Dew enthusiast. Um, this is the guy. You know him. That's... Almost all I know about him. Mm, we had <laughs> we had a Christmas ornament with his face on it. We've had a few. <laughs> We've had a few Christmas ornaments with his face or name on it. We in our office do an ornament exchange every Christmas, mm-hmm. and he has decided to bring personalized Christmas ornaments because every time, the, the, and they enter into circulation. The, the directions for the ornament exchange never said anything about buying an ornament it just said bring an ornament mm-hmm. bring one of your ornaments to exchange yeah. and he took that literally yeah <laughs> and he brought his childhood ornaments <laughs> with his so we adorable a, little child baby face we on had it a great picture of kyle from elementary school yeah. on our tree last year and it was a delight it was majestic it really was kyle honestly is just through and through a delight to work with he and i have so much fun 
We listen to a lot of the same podcasts. So mm-hmm. We get we you know we talk about podcasts a lot at work. Yep. He was actually part of my inspiration for this show and for the many other shows we've started since then. Just getting to talk to coworkers who are also passionate about really good shows. Yeah, it was one of those like wow we could do this. The Hennings could put their name on the internet with some audio stuff. True story. Here it is. And we did. And we did it. And Kyle has been such a huge support from the beginning. He's always offering me feedback. He's telling me what episodes he likes, formats, Mm -hmm. even like telling me what good icebreaker questions are out there. It's very all about how Dixie is basically the rock of this podcast and anything that she says or does is perfect and wonderful. Uh Yeah. And Steven needs to work on his social interactions a little bit Mm. more. All of those great feedback. All of these. Yeah. (laughs) This is what Kyle gifts us every time. So (laughs) I had a wonderful time doing this interview and I think everyone is going to enjoy it. Yeah. Now. Crack open a Mountain Dew, sit back, relax, and let's go to this interview with Kyle. Here we go. We are going to get started with rapid fire questions. Kyle, are you okay. ready? I'm ready. Instagram or Twitter? Mm, Twitter. Oceans or lakes? Oceans. Rain or sun? Rain. Tea or coffee? Tea. Early morning or late night? Early morning. Summer or winter? Winter. Beaches or mountains? Mountains. Libraries or museums? Gosh, libraries. Big party or small gathering? Small gathering. Cats or dogs? Cats. Sweet or savory? Salty. There there it is. Laundry or dishes? Dishes. Do you call it soda or pop? I call it Mountain Dew. Okay, this is... This is important. (laughs) Hogwarts or the Shire? Shire. Passenger or driver? Driver. Pizza or tacos? Tacos. Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. Books or movies? Books. Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Phone calls or texts? Text. There you go. You did it. Rapid fire over. So now some more fun, more open-ended icebreakers here, starting with favorite morning drink? Mountain Dew. There it is. Favorite candy? You know, I'd rather just have a bag of chips. Okay. Or Mountain Dew. <laughs> that, that works too. <laughs> Counts as candy. Favorite snack? Chips. Chips. There it is. Favorite novel? Oh, man. So many. It's a mean question. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to have to take a pass on that one. There's too many. Greatest hits? Maybe top three? You think you could do that? Um, You know, there's uh, there's a book series that is not quite finished yet. It's um, The Dragon Republic, and that's really good. Okay. Favorite smell? Wood. Anything with wood. 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 Love it. Fire, cutting, anything with wood. There you go. What are foods you will never eat? Cilantro. Really? You're one of those? Okay. I'm one of those. Tastes like soap to you? It's. It tastes like everything awful. <laughs> This is fair. This is fair. I'll, I'll give it to you. Do you have a secret talent? I like to run. That's, that's probably it. I like it. What was your first job? I think it was a caddy at a golf course. What was your first pet? A cat. What was its name? Probably the first cat that was actually legitimately mine was Lucky. Lucky. 
What is the worst fashion trend you've ever participated in? I don't know that I've honestly ever participated <laughs> in a fashion trend. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's the biggest mistake right there. I don't know. There you go. What's your <laughs> biggest pet peeve? People being inconsiderate. Mm. Mm. Kind of broad, but lets me despise a lot of people. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, here's your favorite question. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Well, you know, I've thought a lot about this. Um, and I'm 100% sure that my superpower would be to never have hair in my food. I love it. I, <laughs> that I was, would be my I was superpower. stunned into silence for a second. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> What would you say is your proudest accomplishment? Probably it's a toss up between two running ones. One's not really running, but mm. um, one was um, doing the beaten path there and back in a day. Wow. There and um, back. You didn't, you didn't get picked up on the other side. No, no. There and back in a day. That is intense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's like 50 some miles. The other one was a 12-hour overnight race. So it started at 7 at night and then ended at 7 in the morning. You just made this figure-eight loop as many times as you could up and down this mountain in Helena. And, wow. Um, yeah, that one, that one I got just 50 miles in right around just under 11 hours. So, Jeez, I had no idea you yeah. liked to run this much. This is impressive. That's why it's my hidden talent. There. I love it. That's so good. Okay. Uh, to finish up these icebreakers, we're getting close to the end here. What is your absolute favorite meal? Oh, man. It, pretty much anywhere we go, I'm, if we go out to eat, I'm just going to look on the menu for a burger. <laughs> I love a good hamburger. A burger. Love it. Who would you call your best friend? I would say my wife, Phyllis. Oh, beautiful. And finally... What did you want to be when you grew up when you were little? Oh man, you know, standard all the all the things. Um but probably the one that was the earliest most realistic was um architect. Wow. Okay. Man, Kyle Porritt, thank you so much for being on my podcast. It was about time. Hey. You have been so supportive of uh our project here. I guess spoiler alert, we'll say that you and I work together. You and I have worked together at the same drafting and design company for a good number of years now and podcasting is like how we got to know each other and really started talking a lot yeah for sure it's very good i'm sure we'll get there in the story here but i want to start where i always start will you tell us about where you grew up and what your family was like growing up grew up in michigan southern michigan right around detroit and we spent a lot of time outside. We did a lot of camping throughout Michigan and throughout the U.S. We had a little motorhome that we would just hop in and travel around for, you know, a couple of weeks in the summer. And so we spent a lot of time outside and a lot of hiking, canoeing, all of that. Excellent. And uh, will you tell me a little about bit about your family, like your parents? Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have one older brother. Um, he lives in Colorado now. Mom and dad are still together. They live in Arizona and um, 
fairly normal family, I'd mm-hmm. say, but very reserved. Let's let's just kind of follow Kyle growing up a little bit. So growing up in Michigan, did you guys move at all as a family or was it like planted in Michigan for a good long while? Planted in Michigan. I grew up in the house that my mom grew up in. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yep, that's where we lived and then um, lived there until I moved down to Missouri for college. And while I was down in Missouri for college, my parents sold their house and then just drove around in an RV for 10 years. There you go. Yes. Become the empty nesters and just start (laughs) moving around. Make sure the kids can't ever move back home. Absolutely. Yeah, this is powerful. Where did the love for running start? Did it start in high school? You know, I ran in junior high and then honestly didn't pick it up again until, man, in my late 30s, just kind of jumped back into it and been doing it ever since. It's a lot of uh, very good mental <laughs> yes, time absolutely. for me. Yeah. Decompression time. So, right. Yeah. So was it was it something about your experience like running through school like in junior high? Did you have good memories of that and that's why you wanted to pick it up again? Or was it just another fresh thing? I think a lot of it had to do with just wanting to go further in the mountains. You mm, know, um yeah, you know, okay. you go out hiking and it's like, well, you know, I can go out and have a reasonably full day of, you know, ten or twelve miles hiking, but if I'm running that, I can go a lot further. <laughs> Man, I, I like the calculus there. It's like, I just want to see more. So I just need to go faster. That just makes exactly. sense. <laughs> it's really simple. Oh man, that is very good. Okay. So you grow up in the family house until you graduate high school and you move to, you said Missouri for college? Yep. Yep. Just a tiny little college in Missouri. Excellent. What did you study while in college? Architecture. Okay. Yep, went this to is school and got my degree in architecture and following through on the dream. Yeah, yeah. And then uh as soon as I was done with college, moved out to Montana. Always wanted to move out to the mountains and so school was done. I had no real reason to go back to Michigan and so just moved out to Montana. And was that straight here to the Billings area after college? Yep, straight here. Fantastic. I mean, we have the good mountains. We have the Beartooths right here. Honestly, they are some of the best mountains. And the nicest thing is we're close enough to Yellowstone and close enough to Glacier that most of the big tourist destinations are there. So, you know, if someone's, you know, no one's going to come out from way far away and come to the Beartooths, that's just not on anyone's map. <laughs> right. It's like the secret treasure mountains that we get to hog for ourselves. It's very good. Especially right there, you get to like go to Red Lodge, eat some good food, and then just like dip into the mountains for as long as you want to. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's perfect. I love it. Okay. So you get to Billings here. Let's I wanna I'm curious about your work history following a degree in architecture. Let's let's get you current as far as how did you end up at Common Ground Industries? Uh, where you and I eventually meet. So went and got a job at a architecture firm here in Billings and worked there for quite a few years and then took a one-year hiatus sabbatical and Phyllis and I 
shortly after we got married, we moved to China for a year. Whoa. Taught English there and Whoa. hung out and then came back, hopped back into my same job and then um, wanted something a little different. So got hired on at another firm. And then shortly after I got hired on there was the recession. And so got laid off there. And mm, this was 2008, um, 2009 era. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Got laid off there, hopped in to another firm and, um, that that was a rough fit. <laughs> oh, I see. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it there. So um, when you say that you're so, getting on with other firms, was your job title actually architect? No. Okay. Um, so with architecture, you go to school, you get your degree, and then you've got to work for some number of years and fill in all of these hours in various categories, and then you can take a test. Mm. And the test is intense and it's a whole bunch of different parts and um i never went through all that would it be like the equivalent of like the bar exam for lawyers you know i don't know enough about the bar exam, just like just but, like the big bad <clears throat> scary professional test it's not officially part of school but it helps you it gets you certified is that it gets you certified yep. okay perfect yep. gets you your stamp yes it does yes Okay, so you, you're at this firm that's not so great, and we'll leave it there. <laughs> yes, yes. And then um, I had known Kevin for a while, uh, the boss at our company, and um, so just basically just threw in a blind application to CGI and um, got hired on there basically just because Kevin knew me and decided to give me a try. So that's it. Which is a pretty classic story for a lot of us there at CGI. It's like it is Kevin knew it is Kevin knew someone or someone who works there knows someone, and we'll give him a try. <laughs> Why not? It's very good. I actually I actually <laughs> like that because people who are coming in new to our company already have a like a personal relationship tie to it, so it already helps foster that kind of family atmosphere. Like we do a lot of talking about teamwork and you know, coming together as it's like we've become more than coworkers, you know? And I think that's, that's part of it, honestly, is the fact that we hire based on word of mouth or like personal recommendations of other people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Good. So what is your, do you have an official job title at CGI? I don't even designer, know. I think it says, drafter. I think it says piping designer on my okay. little card, but yeah. So are are you doing the kind of stuff that you always wanted to do when you were dreaming about being an architect here in our office? Honestly, probably even closer to what I, I would have really wanted to do. I mean, I, I really like what I do. Yeah. Um, so I really like it a lot. So would you would you just give us a little bit of an introduction to maybe what a day to day work day looks like for you? Basically just they kinda give me a little schematic of connect this pipe to this thing over here and you just kind of figure out how to make that work out right. in the plant. Um, so a lot of time sitting at the computer using various modeling programs, um, some time outside climbing around in the rack, pipe rack, or walking around on the ground. But definitely like probably like 90% sitting at a computer using some modeling programs to right. Route piping. Yeah. So, so you take the drawings that I do in our office and you translate it into 
the 3D, the into the meat space, how it'll actually become a reality. So you're using a lot of 3D scans, like you said, modeling. Yeah, versus where I give you like the two-dimensional schematic, essentially just describing the piping process. Yeah. Yep. Oh, exactly. It's very good. Okay. So we're current here. I have to rewind and I have to hear about China and about why and what. So is is teaching Phyllis's thing and is that why you ended up there? I want to hear the story. Teaching is Phyllis's thing, but you know, we both got jobs teaching English there. We were pretty young, didn't have anything really holding us down too much here, um, no kids, and so it seemed like a good time to do something different. I mean, we knew that before too long, kids and real jobs would come along, and then it's a lot <laughs> harder to, right. to take off. Yeah. So figured, why not? At the time, it was super easy to get a job teaching English in China. So hmm. just kind of hopped into it. And So can you remember what any of the first initial maybe culture shock moments when you first arrived? Oh, man. Okay. So <laughs> we arrived at the start of Chinese New Year. And Whoa, okay. Chinese New Year is insane. I mean, like, pretty sure you can find some YouTube videos, but there's YouTube videos of people flying drones or, or even planes and looking out over big cities at night and the fireworks are insane. And it's not just like one big company or group setting off a fireworks display. I mean, like everyone is setting off fireworks. Wow. Tons okay. of them all over the place. I mean, it, it was bizarre. I mean, it sounded like we've moved into a war zone. Mm. It was just like all night long, all day long, all these fireworks going off all the time. It was crazy. So that was that was a definite culture shock. Sure. I, I mean, just the the schools were a whole different world there versus here. Yeah. Like even the nice schools, even, and I mean, granted, this is, gosh, 15 or so years ago. Well, not quite, but, you know, nice schools there, you would not take off your coat all day <laughs> in, in, in the winter. You know, <laughs> oh, I mean, it was just okay. 50, 60 degrees. That was that was it. Sure. How quickly did you have to pick up passable, is it Mandarin that you were speaking between English while you were teaching? Yeah, we were, we were in the North, so Mandarin. And um, it really depended where you went and what you wanted to do. Okay. If you were, you know, more in a bigger city, not really wanting to do anything too crazy, you could get by with very, very little. But if you left the bigger cities or wanted to do something kind of more off the beaten tourist path, sure, you'd need to know quite a bit more Mandarin. Right. And like one time a friend and I, um, Phyllis came back for a couple weeks in the summer. She came back to the States and I stayed in China and a friend and I, we just took a train as far into inner Mongolia as we could go. And then we bought motorcycles and, um, that was just, it, it was, it was <laughs> insane. Like you would, no joke, you would walk into a restaurant 
And it was just like in the old westerns where everyone just stops and turns and stares and looks at you. <laughs> like the piano player stops playing. Everyone's just like yeah. super quiet. <laughs> it was a whole different world there. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It was also interesting because like where we were actually teaching, we were in the north. And um, when we would travel even further north, a lot of people actually were insistent that we were Russian because- Oh. You would get pretty close to the Russian border and then everyone just assumes that you're Russian. And so you have these <laughs> this weird time where like, you know, this Chinese person is trying to speak Russian to you and you're like, I don't even know. Please go back to Chinese because I'm at least going to have a chance then. Right. Oh, but they're just, oh man, that's that's so wild. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're back in America. I'm curious to know how you and Phyllis met. Basically, some mutual friends. And, uh, and that's here in Billings. Yep. She was going to school here in Billings. And um, we had a couple mutual friends and got to be friends. And we were friends for quite a few years and then basically just decided we should get married. That was about it. Oh, fantastic. I'm ready to move into my favorite part of the, uh, of the podcast here, where I essentially ask, what you're passionate about or what you could think and talk about if you have nothing else to think and talk about. So let's, let's just get into it. Oh man. I, I just love learning big question stuff, big world stuff. Mm. I also love figuring out how to be a better parent. You know, it's been, it's been a journey. (laughs) Um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, definitely, through parenting, I've, I've, oh man, parenting really helped me to realize how big some of my struggles were with, with various things. Mm. You know, it was through that, that I, I, I kind of had to confront a lot of different things just kind of in my own life that, yeah, have been tough, but, uh, you, so I'll, I'll step back a couple steps there and, and talk about, you know, we got, got these two foster kids Mm. and, you know, our, our plan was always to, to be foster parents for, for quite a while. And and then we got two foster kids that were supposed to be a temporary placement. And then two years later, they asked if we wanted to adopt them. and, And, and so we did, you know, and it was, wow, it's, it's been, amazing so you know now we have four kids and um it keeps phyllis super busy and keeps myself half insane um but we like kyle half insane though (laughs) it has really really forced me to fix some stuff in my life that you know with without it without that those challenges without without anybody pushing those buttons, mm. I probably could have just kept on with my coping mechanisms and, and been oh, thought I see. that everything was okay. Yeah, it yeah. was a it was a big influx of voluntary responsibility. Yeah. And and so uh you know, because of that, through that, going back to the beaten path, when I did that, you know, it was it was out and back and I was, I was doing that. We started in, we started in the East Rosebud side and went up to Cook City and, and then 
back to East Rosebud. And, and if you've ever been on that trail, as you're coming back, th- there's nowhere to go. You're in this valley, you know, for the last, geez, for the last, you know, 10 miles or, or more. Mm. You're just in this valley. There's nowhere to go. And I'd been on the trail, man, I'd been on that trail so many times. But I was so messed up in my head. And um, I just, I got to this point where I'm like, holy cow, I'm 100% sure I'm going the wrong way. Whoa. But like I say, like, I mean, and, and I mean, even after, even after I got to Elk Lake, which Elk Lake's like three miles from the end. And again, like there's nowhere you can go. You cannot, like you can't get off the trail. You can't go the wrong way. But I was so convinced, like multiple times I just sat down because I'm like, I'm going the wrong way. Like what is up? And so like, I know it sounds ridiculous, but through the through that, I realized that like there was a lot of messed up thinking, a lot of messed up ideas of, of myself in my head. Mm. And so, shortly, <laughs> shortly after that, I uh, some people probably think I should have gone before and should have, but shortly after that, I started to get some help for some of my mental issues and um, just been taking some time working, working through a lot of stuff, man, it, it that's been a, a journey. So do you think that um, that ultra run over the beaten path was, it centered you in your body so heavily? I mean, you, you have to be in your body when you're going to run 50 miles through the mountains. Do you think that was just the moment where everything kind of culminated because your body was working so hard and you know, it was, it almost sounds like it was unlocking things for you and you were coming to realizations or coming to confront some very real fear that you had just stuffed down over the years or over time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 There was just, you know, some other, oh, hard things going on in my life at the time as well. Um, Mm. that, that just kind of everything together, I, I just, got done with that and I'm like oh my gosh like how can how can you have this horrible of an idea of yourself that that you don't even trust yourself to be doing something right when mm. you know there's no wrong choice and yet I couldn't accept that I was making the right choice that I was doing the right thing that I was on the right path wow um, Wow. So it's like, it's like being in the valley on the trail, knowing there was really no wrong way to, you couldn't get lost on this trail. And yet it it, it sounds like it was almost an allegory for a lot of things that were happening inside. Yes. Whoa. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That is intense. That almost sounds in a way like a, like a mystical experience of sorts. Just the, the, the fact that it gets to map so well, like from the, the, from the physical world, being concerned that you're lost on a trail, like straight down into the negative self-talk you were, you, you were having looping in your mind for so long. Yeah. hundred percent. Wow. wow. Let's, yeah. I'm curious to talk about your relationship to 
Buddhism and mindfulness, because this is something that comes up a lot between the two of us when we talk. Yeah. Um, growing up, we were always in church. We, we went to church and on Sunday, we went to church on Wednesday. We uh, were always involved in the church. You know, I went all the way through Awana and yeah, learned all my verses. And <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Oh, Awana. Uh, yeah. I, re- I remember 0% of anything I ever memorized in Awana. It's really Oh, man, it's there's really so bad. much I still remember. Really? Yeah. yeah. You know, we went to, we always were involved in a Baptist church. And, and I'm, I'm certainly not saying anything specifically against church or against the Baptist church. Right, but yeah. their focus coupled with my mental messed up ideas of the world Mm. was not a good fit. And I I took that all the way through college. I took that all the way through moving here. Mm. This 100% misunderstanding of who God is, of the purpose of Christianity, the purpose of what I was doing, Mm. very much aligned with with what I thought my, and I'm using air quotes, job was as a parent. You know, my mm. job was to fix my kids. <laughs> and um, mm. it, because people are meant to be fixed, you know, people are broken and people are, you know, messed up and, and, and God will fix them. And it's my job to, to help God fix them and, and God is supposed to fix me, mm. you know, on an individual level, and I'm supposed to fix me. And it was all about sin management and shame, and um, yeah, that, that's that's totally where where my brain was at mm. um, mm-hmm. with with religion, with with life, with everything. And so, you know, starting to get into therapy, you know, one of the things that really just worked for me was um, mindfulness and simple, short meditations. And um, the idea of Buddhism being, for me, that I can take so many of these things from Buddhism to make me a better parent and use them to make me to be a, a better husband, to be a better Christian. Mm. You know, certainly what I would say is that the majority of the things that I've taken from Buddhism are, are certainly not absent from the Bible. The Bible talks a ton about meditation. Mm-hmm. Sure does. The Bible talks a ton about suffering and about all of that. But the Bible is very much, I would argue, not about teaching you how to do those things very well, walking you through some of those things very well. Um, Whereas with Buddhism, I I found very simple, tangible, straightforward stuff about how to use mindfulness to make my life uh, easier. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas with Christianity, it was more about, for, for me, with Christianity, it was always about forcing it. It was always about a great example. Like 
oh, meditation for Christianity. Okay, so meditate on the Bible. Okay, so you're going to read the Bible. And then you're reading the Bible, and then your mind starts to wander, and you beat yourself up, and Mm -hmm. you force it. You force it, and you just keep hammering it rather than, oh, you're praying, and your mind started to wander while you were praying. Yep, that's what it does. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It it, it does. Yeah. It, oh, I'm praying wrong. Nope. That's that's praying. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. actually how it goes. Yeah. But, you know, for me, I, I just took that as, as another example of, of my failure. And so I just needed to try harder. I needed to work more and, and mm. do better. Yeah, because you were, you were handed at a young age. I think Awana honestly does this. Um, you were handed at a young age that there are such great expectations for you to be in this way. You know, you, you memorize the verses you need to be, be able to, I don't know, defend your faith as a fifth grader. It's like, what are we, what are we teaching? (laughs) What are we teaching ourselves that we need to be so on top of having the right verse for the right time? It is very performative in that way, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so what kind of materials, it sounds like your, your introduction to some of these ideas came, it sounds like this beaten path moment was kind of like a, a pivot point in your life. Like a lot of things changed before and after, especially getting into therapy for the first time, which sounds like the first time that you actually gave yourself to permission to say, I can't fix myself and I need to be okay with that and I need to seek it somewhere else. Does that track, first of all? A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, and in therapy, is this where you were introduced to Buddhist practice and, and mindfulness, uh, meditation and, and these ideas? No. Um, Oh, okay. I'd been, you know, I, I've, I've read a bunch of Buddhist and Taoist stuff for quite a long time, Mm. certainly through, through college and, and after. And, and a lot of it was very intriguing. I liked a lot of it. But it was it was still I didn't have anything to to put it on. I didn't have a structure to put all of this on mm. to give it any form. And it was really through therapy that I was able to find and build some structure to to start overlaying a lot of this stuff and, and mm. definitely reframing, relearning my version of of Christianity, my understanding of Christ as well through that. So what were some of the the materials that you were getting into through therapy um, that helped you start building this? It, you're, you're giving me a, a picture in my head of like, if we're going to put it in architecture language, it's like you're starting to lay down the foundations and put up the steel beams and whatnot so that you can start hanging drywall and, and actually giving the building some form. Let's maybe start with the the therapy, if you don't mind. Like, what kind of therapy was being practiced uh, while you were there, and what were some of the key insights or materials that you were being given that helped build the scaffolding here? Really, what I hmm, am still learning, <laughs> and and it's it's really kind of the the crux of of everything for me, and definitely why I say Christianity just kind of made me more miserable and hate myself more mm. was because I I took so much from mm, 
from my childhood growing up, from my parents and from the church, and and I I distorted it and messed it all up into an understanding where I I as a person had no value. Mm. My value came from being good, from doing right, from from working hard. And and if I wasn't perfect in those things, then I was bad. Then yeah. I was worthless. I was horrible. And so just working to to get away from that idea. Yeah, yeah. It, to to try to try to accept that try to understand that even if i make a mistake at work even if i you know lose my patience and get frustrated with my kids that doesn't make me a bad employee mm. that doesn't make me a bad parent you know if i you know forget to do something for phyllis that doesn't make me a bad husband i still have value as an employee i still have value as a parent i still have value as a husband and and i have value e- even though i made a mistake yeah um, it's it's letting whereas, the it's not letting the act become your identity yes Oof. yes a lot of this you're tracking back to the the beaten path in in that definitely was kind of like the final step but you know even even one additional step that was huge for me that that really um set me up to be to be broken to be at my rock bottom mm. is you know i i've been I've been estranged from my parents for for a number of years now. Um and basically that that came about um through through me finally saying like um I'm I'm a human being and I have um my feelings are valid in my mm. um my life is valid my um i'm valid um and, and so you know tried to tried to communicate that tried to work that out with my parents and tried to get them on board with with working through some stuff and um hundred percent just shut down they did um they just mm. basically it, it was it was such a the quintessential platitude of we pray that god will help you was was oh. basically what i got um even though like i'm like saying like okay well these are some things i, I think we all need to kind of work on well we're not going to work on those but good luck give us a call when you're ready to let us do whatever we want. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay. So um, that definitely helped me be in a really 
crappy spot. And this was leading up to beaten path moments. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I can imagine with someone who already struggles with a lot of negative self-talk, like a very loud, obnoxious inner critic who I can relate to you in a way that theologies of original sin and total depravity did did a number on me because it's just like when you're taught that it's so hard to get away from that lens and away from that frame and just it seems so backwards that we're starting people in a place it's like you're already losing the game just by the fact that you're born so now perform now start making all the right moves score enough points at least that's yep. it's, it's it's way too easy for it to sound like that. So for someone who is already struggling with accepting and affirming themselves, getting some sort of confirmation externally, especially from people who are so consequential to you, right? So foundational to who you are, like your parents, that that rejection cuts a lot deeper. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing yeah. that, Kyle. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you for listening to No Normal People this week. If you like what you're hearing, the best place to tell us about it would be on Apple Podcasts or Facebook.com, where you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at No People Pod. That's K-N-O-W People Pod. Also, be sure to use our hashtags, No Normal People and hashtag KNP. Welcome to the part of the show where we thank the people that give us money. And the first person to do that was none other than my mama. 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 Kathy Park. Kathy Park. Welcome. Episode, uh, uh, whatever her episode is. She's been a guest in the past. Yeah. So we've heard a lot from her already. (laughs) (laughs) It feels so perfect to me that it's one of our moms that jumps on the Patreon first. Yes. I can't wait until we're rich and famous and we get awards for being idiots on one. podcasts. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I will say the exact same thing I just did when I'm thanking people for the awards. Thanks, mama. There it is. I'm going to go give you a high five because you're in the room next door to me. High five. And all the awards you signed up for. Yeah. At your current tier. I will not reveal that because I don't want to reveal the, the details of other people's finances. Yeah. But thank you so much. Identity theft is not a joke, Jim. Dixie, we're making money as podcasters yeah, now. Yeah, we are. Because of your mom. Oh my gosh, mom. We're professionals. It's like an allowance, but cooler. It's absolutely like an allowance. <laughs> <laughs> it's only dollars a month. That's absolutely an allowance. <laughs> no, I, said I wasn't going to say the dollar amount. Dang it. Okay. It's too late. Well, Surprise. There um, it is. I'll beep it out in post. Be better than my mom. Fix it in post. Thank you so much for our patrons. You can't be better than my mom. First of which is Kathy Park. <laughs> Back to the show. Hey. Introducing a podcast called Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. For some people, this complexity has caused the unraveling of their faith. And for other people, it's been enriching. 
We think good theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so we're going to sort through our own questions in real time over a couple drinks. I'm Josh. I'm Steven. And I'm Emily. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RavelPod and find Ravel on any podcast player. That's Ravel spelled R-A-V-E-L. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. So coming out of this, coming out of this idea and moving into realms of self-affirmation and acceptance, um, what are some of your, your daily practices around meditation and, and mindfulness that help you get into a, a good space? Honestly, just taking some time, a lot of times in my run or at the end of my run to just take even two or three minutes and just focus on my breath and just focus on that, um, the, the feeling of the breath, imagining where it is going, what it's doing. And then definitely at, at night, a lot of times just doing, just doing a quick body scan, even just laying in bed, you lay down in bed and you just work your way up your body, mm. doing a relatively quick body scan. Um, both of those have been very helpful for me. Yeah. For, for sure. A- another one that has just made an enormous amount of difference is the simplest, stupidest thing to do that we all know to do, but so few of us do it consistently. It is just a gratitude practice. Mm. You know, I write down three things and I, I try to do it daily, but yeah, just write down three things you're, you're thankful for. Do it at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, in the middle of the day, whatever. You know, again, certainly that is definitely something we find over and over in the Bible and throughout Buddhism as well. Just, mm. just this practice of gratitude. That's so good. The gratitude. So uh, where are you practicing this gratitude practice? Are you writing on note cards? Do you have a journal? I tried to do a journal. Um, honestly, it's, I just have a little app on my phone. And the app, I think, is supposed to be like a planner. But I just use it as uh, every day. I just open that day and write down my three things and oh, wow. so move it, on. So it, the app looks like a calendar and you just add yep. like an event or an appointment. But you just put your gratitude yeah. in there. Wow, that's so yeah. cool because then you can revisit your calendar. And you can Mm -hmm. see, you can track the things you were grateful for over the month or over the year. That is so clever. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, that's so good. The gratitude practice has been key for me. I finish my, my journaling practice every morning and every evening with a line of gratitude where I do the same thing. I, I choose three things and sometimes they're insanely mundane. Like in the morning when I have a nice, good, hot cup of coffee, when it's 20 degrees outside and it's still dark. Sometimes my gratitude is this hot mug, you know, <laughs> but, what oh, yeah. I, but what I love about gratitude is that it, especially doing it intentionally in the morning, it's like, it's tuning you into a different radio frequency for the day. And especially when you do it at night as well, it, like I said, it like, it like tunes your mind into things to be grateful for, to make sure you remember to write it down when you're finishing your practice at night. 
Yeah, it, you know, I mean, just the the crossover between, you know, mindfulness and gratitude. Because, because, like you say, a lot of them are so mundane. Like, all you're doing is is looking. What am I thankful for right now? Like, mm. what is good in my life? I have a warm cup of coffee in my hand. That is good. Mm. It doesn't need to be huge. It doesn't need to be like this big thing that's going to have this life-changing event for the rest of your life. No, it's it's a cup of coffee. But in that moment, right now, in that present moment, it's important. Yeah. And you can be yeah. thankful for it. And it matters. It does. Absolutely. And that's that's what I love about the you know, the mattering aspect to it. It's like this hot cup of coffee matters. It seems really mundane or commonplace, but when you practice gratitude with commonplace things, nothing becomes commonplace in a way. Like it's like, it's like you're choosing to put a gratitude tinted pair of glasses on in the morning and spend your whole day there. It's so, I love, I love the practice. And I think too, that, you know, the freedom to know that your gratitude every day doesn't have to be unique. Like for an entire month, if I write down, I'm grateful for this cup of coffee, that says a lot about the impact the cup of coffee is having. Or it says a lot about the fact that I'm, I'm sitting here every morning with a hot cup of coffee. Like it, it gives you hints into, Hey, Steven's practicing a daily habit here that is life giving. And he's finding this gratitude every morning. Like we don't have to be afraid of it being repetitive. No, no. This is so, so parenting has been quite a theme so far through our conversation. So I'm curious how some of these healthy practices, these habits, and these, these states of mind that you've been gifted and learned through, uh, through Buddhist texts or through therapy and other practices you've been handed, how have you turned these around and how are you, uh, how are you gifting these to your children? What are, what are some of the, the practices maybe you do as a family or what, what kind of messaging are you giving them around what you've found to be so beneficial? Well, I mean, a, a lot of things, just, just modeling good old car trips. <laughs> you get in the car and, you know, one person starts being rascally and then pretty soon you got, you know, four kids screaming and, and you're just <laughs> like, okay, you know, but, but you can just, you can turn around and yell at them. You can, if you don't shape up, I'm going to turn this car around. You can, right. you know, do that classics. great classic line, you know, or <laughs> or you can threaten them or, or you can, okay, what are three things you can see? You know, and everyone just goes around and says some things they can see. What are some things you can hear? Mm. What are some, you know, just to bring everyone back to the present moment, like, to step outside of this insanity of, of whatever weird hook got into whoever, you know? Right, yeah. Like, it, we, you don't need to stay there. Like, that's not really even where you're at. So so come back to, to reality. What's reality? Mm. Reality is, you know, I, I can see a blue car. I can see a red barn. I can see, you know, and then you... Okay, everyone. Okay, so what are some things you can hear? You know, and sometimes you you have to, you know, lay down some some ground rules, and it can't be about the other person sitting next to you. But, um, oh yeah, 
but you know, I, I mean, it's just modeling if, this if, body centered mindfulness practice, just like, Hey, let's recenter. Let's, let's check in and what your, your lived experience of being a body right now is like. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, and, you know, just even, you know, it's, it's certainly not only found in Buddhism, but, but the idea of suffering, like mm. this thing happened, this thing is currently happening. You are in this position and that sucks, but like we can be okay with that. We can still be there. Yeah. So you're going to get out of that horrible spot faster by actually acknowledging it rather than blaming it on somebody else. Yeah. Blaming it on something somebody did. Right. Oh, this guy cut me off while I was driving. Well, that's probably not why you're yelling. There's probably something else going on. It's probably not mm. his fault. Mm. Yeah. It's it's that idea. It's like the the greatest suffering we cause ourselves is in the resistance to the thing that happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it I'm yeah. I'm sorry to keep coming back here, but like your your example of the guy cutting you off on the interstate, there's there's something deeper going on. It's like it's very much like your beaten path story. Like on the surface, you're very worried about the fact that you might be lost in the mountains as it nears sunset. Yes. But below yes. the surface, it's it's all an allegory for all this this turmoil that you're experiencing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. That's that's very good. So I'm curious if you would I don't know if you have a label for yourself right now when it comes to spirituality or, or religion in that way. Would you call yourself a Buddhist Christian, a Christian Buddhist? None of the above? It depends who I'm talking to, probably. Um, this is mostly good. <laughs> I, I, I keep it simple and, and just say, you know, that I would just say that I'm, I'm a Christian because... With a big old asterisk. Yes, a giant <laughs> asterisk. Yeah. Yeah, but... Buddhism certainly has has helped shape mm. yeah. my understanding and in, in my growth in in Christianity and I I definitely would not be as near to God today without Buddhism. Mm. I like it. In in not just some esoteric god but I mean the legit Christian god that other Christians would would say they believe in I would certainly say I I believe in that same God. Mm. And the gift of the Buddhist practices have helped you get back to a place where you can say that, it sounds like. Yes, mm. for sure. Very good. Very good. Well, I'm ready to talk about some some hobbies of yours. Running has certainly come up already. Yes. I thought we could kick off with playing Dungeons and Dragons with your kids. Yeah. It's one of those things where I had interest in it growing up, but it was 100% forbidden you know i mean that mm, was like mm -hmm. you are going to invite a demon straight into the room and he is probably going to possess you <laughs> yeah and yeah. um and then your whole house is going to burn down because you know it's possessed by a whole horde of demons sure and, and so i never never got into D D growing up and then two of my kids started to show a lot of interest in D D. And that was the like last fall. Mm. So started to get into some D and D stuff. Then did a couple. Uh, I think we just no, we just did like one session with a, another guy that graciously hosted a session 
with a bunch of our kids and he knew what he was doing. So that was nice. And I just kind of sat there and watched and, you know, that was supposed to be kind of like a every other week type thing. And then pandemic. So uh, yes, basically where we went to from that was tried to figure out D&D on my own and try and figure out how to run a campaign and um, just started DMing. Basically, another guy <laughs> and I, we would share the DMing. He would do all of the story and then I would do all of the combat, which worked out really well because oh. it kind of allowed me to focus on on just one aspect and really better prepare for that one piece. Right, yeah, because those, um, those two aspects of D&D are definitely like of, of, of course they're together because your players can get into combat but the mechanics of everything are so different than trying to keep in mind the story you're trying to craft and all your yes. all your different NPC voices and all that yeah it's like two yeah two different I mean it's like pretty much engaging the, your two different hemispheres of the brain at different times yeah so and then from that basically just kind of started DMing uh, on my own with my kids and groups of their friends we even roped one of Phyllis's brothers into playing along with us for <laughs> for a couple sessions and um that's so good uh, yeah but I mean for sure basically coming into the thing totally blind you know I I made so many mistakes and I so cheated on a lot of things just mm. because I'm like, I don't really know how to use that whole big spell thing. So I'm not going to do it. We're just going to do this other thing and <laughs> nobody will ever know the difference. Nobody did know the difference. None and the wiser. None the wiser. Excellent. And we're definitely at the point now where my youngest, he listens to a ton of podcasts and live actions on D&D stuff. And so now he will correct me from time to time that, you know, that that's not, that's not really how you do it, dad. <laughs> Assistant DM. I love it. Yes. That's so good. Now he has gotten to the point where um, he is working on DMing a campaign that he's made up just a homebrew deal nice. based off of a video game that we all like. So Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What are some other hobbies that you'd like to engage oh, in, either man. as a family or yourself? Gosh, I, th you know, honestly, like between running and getting out into the mountains and, and, and being outside for, for sure, one of the hobbies I've, I've kind of taken up recently is birding. So uh, I, I know next to nothing, but there are some really good helping apps and good places to start. Mm. So, um, just started with birding a little bit, which is nice because, you know, I can just kind of go out and, and do it for a little bit here and there and just another small thing to do. Um, yeah. And it's another, another way to that, be mindful outside in the mountains, yeah. right? Like it's combining yeah. all these things because now you're really in tune with what you're listening to yep. and then the identification piece to it. I imagine mm -hmm. starting birding is really satisfying because you get to check off all sorts of lifers all at the beginning. Oh yeah. That's yeah. so cool. There's so many birds where you're like, I've heard that noise a billion times and I have no idea what it is. But now I oh, get to document it as my lifer. Yeah. 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 
it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's like a really so, yeah. low barrier to entry for this hobby. It's yeah. so cool. So then kind of that broadened a, a little bit into just general field recording. Um, so I have a little handheld recorder that I use for some field recordings and kind of go out from time to time and um, just do some small field recordings. So mm. yeah. Very good. Super dorky stuff. Very good. I love it. I'm curious to ask if you follow any particular daily morning or evening routines. We've talked about quite a few already, but g- give me the rundown, yeah. like how a typical morning goes and how a typical evening goes. Typical morning is I get up and go for a run. Um, it's usually the pretty much the, the first thing I do. I try to do my best and I definitely notice when I when I stray from this, but Mm. I try not to even look at anything online or open up my phone or anything. I just throw an audio book on and and go for a run and then keep the the craziness of a lot of the outside world and and things that I can get sucked into really easily. Keep that at bay as long as I can, usually till, you know, 11 o'clock or so in the, at work and kind of take a short lunch break and doom scroll for a little bit but um <laughs> yeah doom scroll um, classic doom scroll oh, yeah yes oh my gosh oh what a great pastime that is absolutely <laughs> and then in the evenings usually just kind of try to unwind with usually try to go through a netflix or hulu show or whatever with with phyllis and then sometimes just go straight to bed other times i will indulge in some video games but yeah. Oh, what games do you play? What console do you use? Oh, I'm curious. Let's get into it. Basically, we just have a Switch. Uh, we have a Wii U as well, but most of what we do now is just on the Switch. I probably spend 90% of my time either doing Splatoon or Hollow Knight. I've heard a know, lot Splatoon of good things just... about Hollow Knight. What's that? I've heard a lot of good things about Hollow Knight, but tell me about Splatoon oh. first. It's Nintendo's cheesy, cartoony version of a first-person shooter. And you have various inking devices, a big brush, a big roller, and you are (laughs) trying to ink territory and hit people with your ink. Okay. So it's a a big online multiplayer game. Oh, fantastic. Um, Fantastic. So yeah, that one's easy to always play because like there's always new people to, to right. play with or yeah of course whatever so cool kind of always always a little bit different in hollow Knight, um, and then hollow Knight. hollow Knight is is just a great platforming scrolling game it, it's as they call it a metroidvania where you get some ability and then through that ability you can explore more of the map and then you explore more of the map and you find another ability and then you can explore more of the map mm, and yeah yeah so it it's a it's a great exploring achieving game that uh just fun to play through and play through all over again excellent did you ever hop on the animal crossing train when the pandemic started i did not nope not on that one how excited no. are you for breath of the wild 2 though oh we we are very excited <laughs> and also we are pretty excited for the prequel that is coming out i think pretty soon yeah um, the prequel to breath of the wild that'll be like the hyrule warriors set up so you're playing you know you versus 
you know, a thousand other bad guys and you can have multiple players playing with you and you can have right. people be the uh, the champions. So yep. that, that looks like that'll be pretty fun. Very good. I think Breath of the Wild was is probably the best Nintendo game I've ever played. I It was the first game of its genre that I've ever chosen to play. Like, I never got into Skyrim or any of those crazy world building or like very wide, expansive free for all. Like you choose the direction you, you loosely have goals and objectives, but you can choose to follow them or not. I was always terrified of those kind of games because I'm very much completist when it comes to games like that. And I thought it was going to be my hell, but you know, after finding all the shrines, it feels pretty good. The completest thing is actually pretty satisfying for a game like that. Yeah, I, you know, I went through that one. I loved that game. I still do really enjoy that game. The The one thing I have zero intention of completing is the Korok Seeds. Not going to do it. Yeah, I, I hear of an Easter egg at the very end when you get all of them. They give you like a thing to put in your bag and it just looks like a poop emoji. Yep, and apparently, giant golden poop. And apparently it was just Nintendo's way of being like, hey, you're insane, and this is a pointless reward for doing something so pointless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no intention of completing yeah. that portion of the game. But yeah, other than that, I, I love that game. It's a great game. You know, I, I used to basically just sit down for, you know, even like 15 minutes, and, and I had this little little loop of lionels that i would go through and kill and, and it was oh it was fun, you know? and you get so many materials and weapons and oh yeah that's yeah this is a good strategy i think the best strategy for that game is never go to the castle and actually defeat ganon just keep all your cool stuff and just do everything except yeah. beat him and then yep especially once Definitely you have everything it's like it's almost too easy to beat him especially when you're riding around on the horse i guess spoiler alert oh for anyone gosh. but like if you don't know yet you whatever but uh yeah riding around on the horse and defeating the big pig monster is way too easy oh my gosh my youngest what just a, mocks it every time it's he a does nerfed it, he just boss. mocks it uh, he you know he'll like pretend like he doesn't know what he's doing you know basically like ride the horse right under the beast and just stupid yeah, stuff right and because you can't die yeah <laughs> really right <laughs> it's so ridiculous yeah it but so it's silly. definitely one of those things where it feels like nintendo was like hey they got here good on you the game is over <laughs> and they just pretty much uh, leave yeah. it there it's like what what were you okay okay very good video games at night i like it i'm partial to yeah. stardew valley myself if you've ever heard of that uh, it's like a kind of in the in the vein of very early Zelda games, kind of mm. like that flat 3D style. And it's a it's a farming yeah. game where you kind of build up your own little f- capitalist farming empire and uh, you go through the seasons and oh, it's that one was a pandemic lifesaver for me. Stardew Valley. Very nice. good. OK, I'm ready for some closing questions because I'm conscious of the fact that we're nearing the end of our time. So I'm curious to ask what you are currently reading. You know, I'm finally slogging through Brothers Karamazov. And um, everyone tells me that I will actually like it and it will get good. So I'm I'm holding out. (laughs) 
But I mean, I'm dang near 15 hours into the thing and I'm like, eh, eh. I'm definitely breaking my general rule on that one. General my general rule, rule yeah. is if you're more than an hour into a book and you're not really interested, move on. Oh, okay. This <laughs> oh, is a yeah. good rule. Yeah. And you're doing audiobook for this? I am. I, that's honestly how I do 90% of my books because you you're know, running between, time. That's audiobook time. In between running and driving to and from work, you know, I can get easily an hour and a half, dang near two hours mm. a day in. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Very good. Yeah, it's pretty nice. What are you currently listening to right now? Let's start with music. What comes up when you open something like Spotify? Oh, man. So much stuff. I, I listen to, I, I love a lot of the folky type stuff. I, I love some of the harder stuff, but I, oh man, pretty much anything and everything right now, definitely probably top couple on the list would be the national amigo, the devil who, who is <laughs> much better than his name might yeah make you think <laughs> but no yeah check him out uh and then um lost dog street band really really enjoy you are one of the other few people in my life that subscribe to nearly as many podcasts as i do so this is a hard question because i always ask people what they're currently listening to in regards to podcasts right now so top three or five you would want to recommend i would say this is love just started their new season i can't say enough good things about that show excellent criminal is also a great show that's a classic og podcast oh man yeah right yeah and then another one that that is uh on break right now and not sure what what they'll do when they come back because he lost his his main um funder uh but here be monsters definitely one of the first podcasts i started listening to mm. and, and just one of those ones where i'm not even going to look at the show notes i'm just going to put it in my queue top of the queue and listen yeah. away right um, it always yeah. goes yeah those would probably be my my definite top ones what are you currently watching right now you mentioned that you work through a netflix or or just like a, a streaming show at night typically what are yeah. you watching we went through all of the available seasons on Hulu and Netflix for Alone. Um, it was one of those shows oh, where I'm like, uh, yeah. it's another stupid reality show and I hate reality shows. <laughs> but that that show is is just wonderful for so many reasons. The, the premise is they, they take these people and they dump them out in the middle of nowhere and they survive alone with you know 10 things that they have taken with them and you know they film themselves basically all the time and so you you get to see everything they go through as they try to as they try to survive physically with sometimes major issues with finding and catching food mm. and then major mental issues that that come along with with everything you know it's just fascinating to to watch that kyle thank you so much for being on the show this was so fun for me i like yeah. working alongside of you for 
going on five years now. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about that I must ask you about? Oh. Tell me about the Mountain Dew Pyramid. I, I don't even know. I, I'm lazy. And so I, at the end of the day, you know, when I'm done with a can, I just set it off to the side. And then, <laughs> you know, finally, when the tower gets too tall, I stomp them out and take them home. That's about it. Yeah. So just to give someone a, vid- a visual, we have very large, like C-shaped desks. And, you know, we're all two monitor people, given the fact that we're in AutoCAD a lot and we have markups and all sorts of spreadsheets. So a lot of space is dominated by those two monitors. But Kyle goes and fills more of his available space that's usually used for large paper. We also use like 11 by 17 paper in our office that's usually reserved for work and stuff. But Kyle goes and makes a pyramid of empty Mountain Dew cans. Just yes. <laughs> I've I've seen that stack get so high before that oh, it, it gets pretty big sometimes. And yeah. and you know yeah. it's time to take it down. I love it's happened a couple times where we're we're all there in the morning and you go to place your next one or you bump an elbow <laughs> and the whole <laughs> thing just topples over. down. It's like, oh well, it's crushing time. And then for the next yep. 10, 20 minutes, you have them lined up in the aisle of <laughs> the office. Yeah. And you just oh, like yeah. Stomp, 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 and flatten them to put them in a bag. It's so amusing to me, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the impact of Mountain Dew on your running practice, if any, that you've noticed? Oh, I don't, I don't think there is one. Um, Which is fascinating to me because there's so much sugar in that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you sound like a very I, healthy I person, besides all the Mountain Dew. <laughs> Besides the Mountain Dew, other <laughs> other than the fact that I drink drink too much Mountain Dew and eat too many potato chips, I'm doing great. Oh you no, know, yeah, I, I I definitely drink too much Mountain Dew. That's so good, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been a blast. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to give you the last word and have you read our very favorite quote for the podcast. The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. Thank you.